Hey everyone, and welcome to the Living for Food pod. I have a truly incredible woman on this week, and her name is Gail Becker. Gail has reached a lot of milestones as she left the corporate world to create Cauliflower, a better for you meal option in pizza crust, but has since expanded into quite a few other product lines, some of which she even announced on this podcast. The brand was named one of the top 10 world's most innovative food companies in 2022 by Fast Company and is now worth more than 2% in the $5 billion United States pizza market. Gail and I dug deep into what it's like to be a woman in business while addressing the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur. Now, you know I've been doing this podcast for about four months now. Well, this is actually the fourth month which is completely wild, and thank you for listening so far. There have been some emotional moments and certainly lighthearted ones, and I've been so grateful for all of them. In this particular podcast episode, which was recorded a little over a month ago, Gail opened up to me about her parents being Holocaust survivors. I couldn't really allow myself to publish this episode without acknowledging what is going on in Israel. It's just heartbreaking all around, and I really, really hope for peace. And I hope that you learned something from this episode, because I certainly did. So please join me in welcoming Gail Becker. Welcome to the Living for Food pod. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I'm sure you're very busy. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I mean, how can you say no to a podcast with that title? I mean, it's the best (laughs) title ever, I have to say. So yeah, I'm in. Thank you. You know, I came up with it a while back and it was honestly my first thought. So (laughs) I'm glad you you liked it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. I think that's what we all do. Yeah. Honestly, who doesn't, right? (laughs) So I did a lot of research on your background, and it's pretty incredible. You have had an array of communications background. You were in broadcast journalism, made your way as the VP of communication at Warner Bros. You worked at Edelman, which for people who don't know, is a public relations company for over 16 years. And then you created Cauliflower. Crazy, right? It's it's wild. Yeah. But before all that, what did food look like for you growing up? It's such a good question because food really, really had a, had a, had a very high place in our family. Mm -hmm. My parents are both uh, Holocaust survivors, so they knew what real hunger was. And I think that drove them to raise me in a in an environment where there were very few things that were more important than being able to have food on the table and really good food and food that was made with love and that was given with love. And, you know, even if we couldn't afford other things, my mother would always buy the best cut of meat because, you know, it's something that they didn't have. And so I was always taught from a very young age to place a a very high value on food. And the corollary to that really is there is nothing worse than being hungry. That's incredible that your parents were Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. I was reading a little bit of your, your Forbes interview. So I'm glad that that's something that you brought up. Was there certain meals that stick out to you when you think of your childhood? Yeah, I mean, I guess, so my mother, my, my, my parents were divorced at a very young age. So I had two okay. very different households that I grew up in. My mother would always cook. So okay. she had lots of, you know, uh, very uh, popular dishes that we all loved. She made the best fried chicken. She made filet of sole. She made delicious uh, steak. She just cooked and cooked and cooked. And that's really how she showed people that she loved them. 
my father on the other hand was not much of a cook but he always took me out to dinner or brunch or and we'd always try he lived in san francisco and we'd always try all these amazing restaurants in san francisco not amazing in the sense that they were the most you know expensive or popular because they weren't but you know he knew a guy he used to sell food to restaurants um and hotels around san francisco so like he would know the owner or he would know the the cook or what have you and so it was like family you know and he'd always he spoke eight languages so he'd always find someone to speak to about the food in some language and just a really distinctive part of my childhood yeah so this is kind of putting it in i guess a nutshell but food was seen as not necessarily a delicacy but a privilege probably for you growing up because they didn't experience it a privilege uh a privilege and also interestingly probably and i'm just thinking about this for the first time I, a sign of independence, really. If you can work hard, afford to feed yourself, afford to feed your family, that's independence. And, you know, they always taught me not to be reliant on anybody else, to be reliant on yourself, to work hard, to be able to foot, put food, on, you know, um, not just on the table, but helping to feed others and others that certainly were less fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like maybe that independence or self-dependence kind of aided your career or had any influence on your career at all? I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. You know, my father used to say to me, Gail, why would you ever want to work for anyone else? And at the time, I was working for other people. I never thought I would, you know, follow in his entrepreneurial footsteps. And I just sort of said, oh, dad, like, you know, like we all do. But what I came to learn after his passing is that he was right. And for me, he was right. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to tell a story backwards. There were so many moments in my childhood uh, around that notion, around food. Um, my my grandfather owned a dairy farm. So it was like okay. all of these things that really did sort of inform and inspire what I ultimately would do in my life. But I had no way of knowing that at the time. Right, right. Because you started your business later on in life. So you kind of went through I the did. entire corporate thing and but before your entrepreneurial journey with cauliflower you were a successful woman in the corporate world but i want to gauge what you think was the biggest challenge you faced as you worked your way up you know <laughs> boy how long do you have uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah as much time as you need <laughs> uh i i would say a couple things uh one and you know is it better now maybe uh it was hard there weren't a lot of women the harder up the the higher up the ladder quote unquote that you got the sort of lonelier it was i distinctly remember a time when i was the only woman on the executive committee of our firm and uh that was rough it's hard when you don't see people like yourself around the table. Um, and so I worked very hard to try and make sure, create a better environment that, you know, women would want to stay and grow and learn and reach the top. And, and, and we did, and we did, and I'm super proud of that. And obviously by the time I left, there were more women on the, um, on the executive committee. Um, that was, that was, definitely hard. And I guess the other hard part for me, and I think one of the things that really led me to create Kali Power is that, you know, I, I just wanted to do something more meaningful. I, I wanted to do something that was going to help people, not just mm -hmm. sell more cars or, you know, gaming devices or what have you, but I wanted to help people. And 
I realized if I wanted to do that, I probably needed to leave corporate America. Yeah, yeah. Would you, this is going to be extremely broad, but I feel like a lot of people would classify corporate America as possibly self-serving, kind of making the rich richer kind of deal. I don't know if you agree with that or not. You can definitely say if you don't, but I've heard once you get to the top and reach success, it's harder to stay there than it is to get there. Do you feel like that rings true? Um, interestingly, um, I, first of all, I would say I meet people of all kinds in all kinds of environments. There are great people in corporate America. There are less great people in corporate America. There are great people right. in the entrepreneurial world of food. There are less great people in the entrepreneurial world of food. So hard, mm -hmm. it's hard to make those generalities. For me, is it harder to stay there? Yeah, I, I mean, it can be, but uh, honestly, I think it's harder to leave. I think staying oh. is kind of the easy part. You know, staying is like, and, and that's true in life staying with the status yeah. quo, whether it's a job or a marriage or a relationship or a city, much easier to sit, to stay. Particularly if you do work your way up to the top of court America, you're probably earning a pretty good salary. That's hard to give mm -hmm. up to. So right. in many ways, I would say it's easy to be comfortable when you get there. Really hard to like blow a hole through it and like start over. Right. Did you feel any extra pressure because you were a woman when you were leaving? That of course. You said it, it was a little bit better, but. No, I did. I, I did feel extra pressure because I felt like a lot of women were watching. And oh. um, I didn't want to give them the impression that. I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. You know, everybody gets burned out when you reach a certain point. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to dis, you know, disenchant anyone with the idea of sort of working hard and, you know, and, and, and getting to wherever it is you think you want to be. And mm -hmm. what I realized after, and I was, that was a real concern for me in leaving. And what I realized once I, you know, made it public that I was leaving is I heard from so many women, not just where I worked, but across the industry and really across the world about people who were in a similar situation and had been thinking about leaving and said that, you know, it was nice. They said in, in some ways what I did inspired them. And that was really a lovely surprise for me. When I left, I wrote a blog called um, It's Better to Say Oops Than What If. And I think that really okay. resonated with people. I saw that when you were on the Forbes Under 30 Summit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I saw you mention that. And I saw also that you said you came really close to not starting Collie Power. That's what true. was that push that brought it to life? You know, if I were to be really, really honest with myself, I would probably say, I don't know. I I like to think yeah. maybe my dad, because he had passed away the year before, which is what started me on this journey of seeking something more. I'd like to think my dad just like, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, go for it. And it really, and I, I say I don't know because it was almost like a calling. I just knew it was something I needed to do. I couldn't explain it. I I certainly didn't have any reason to like give up everything that I had and and you know bet it on an industry that I knew nothing about and a crazy idea. I just knew I needed to do it and um I knew that I would regret not trying. And that was probably the biggest motivator. I didn't want to live. I had a fair amount of regret in life as we all do. I didn't want to have that mm -hmm. as a regret. And that was probably the biggest motivator. Yeah. I find that interesting because it takes a lot of strength to leave something, you know, and the security of something, you know, to just 
go do something that you just have this gut feeling towards, but sometimes you just have to follow the intuition. You call it strength. Some people call it stupidity. I don't know, maybe a little <laughs> bit of both, but yeah, I love it. I mean, hey, college power is worth a lot now. I wouldn't call it stupidity. <laughs> well, I think it's easy to say that now, but at the time, who knew? Who knew that would be so That's stressful? True. I, I certainly did not know the company would grow to what it was. I remember, you know, you know, telling my financial advisor at the time, okay, here's what I want to do. And, you know, she looked at me like, are you crazy? And I think I must have been, <laughs> and that's okay. But yeah, it was a huge bet that, you know, most new companies fail, but you can't let that stop you because if you do, you're failing before you even try and you owe it to yourself to try. Right. I mean, you only have one life. What's the harm that's going to be is that it fails and then you go back to what you know or whatever and the that's, situation is. And that's is. exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought I would do. I saw too that you said, I think this was in the same Forbes interview actually, that it took more of a physical toll and I have a, a quote here too. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> Please remind me. I do me. my research. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I said. <laughs> you said, I would say that building cauliflower taught me about my own wellness was the connection between physical and emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. um, could you elaborate on that? Like what that looked like for you? Oh, wow. Um it is hard to explain to anyone who has not gone through it. I would say I would equate it. This is for me. I don't expect mm -hmm. everyone else to agree, but I would equate it to having if your, your business, your, your company, whatever it is that you do is, is like your third child. For me, my third child, I have two, I have two humans and one company mm -hmm. and, and by far the hardest of the three. And, um, it is obviously it's a huge financial toll, um, a huge intellectual and mental toll, but it is also a huge emotional toll because you really have to give up everything else in your life. You can't see your right. friends. You barely have time to see your family and every ounce of energy and mind share is given to this business. You are the last on the list. You don't get to give yourself anything. Anything you have left over, you go, you give to those close to you and, and those you love, but otherwise it sucks you dry. And there are a whole mm -hmm. bunch of people in the industry, in the surrounding industries who try to take you down, who cause you emotional pain. And it's very, very difficult to manage the business while you're sort of fighting off the world. Yeah, right. You have, I mean, you have to bet on yourself. That's pretty much the entire premise of it. But your yep. two sons were young at the time. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah. That's hard. Um, and I understand you started the company because they had celiac disease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you wanted to create more nutritional and gluten-free yeah. options out there, aka better for you frozen yeah. meals. Even with all of the nutritional and gluten-free options that there are out there now, do you still think the market has room for improvement? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, look, even just when you look at it, at Kali Power and just take a look at our pizza. We were obviously first to market. I leveraged that first to market advantage. We went, we had, you know, vast distribution. And then a couple years later, you know, there were 50, more than 50 new SKUs from 17 different brands, all in our space, wow. all with their, you know, target set on Kali Power. Now, what ended up happening is most of them have gone away. Not all of them, which is fine, but most okay. of them. And they've gone away because, you know, they tried to, they didn't create a quality product. And, you know, at Kali Power, 
I always say that, you know, a lot of people in the food industry will bet against the consumer. They, they think the consumer doesn't know any better. At Collie Power, mm -hmm. we believe the, the consumer does know better and we always bet on the consumer. And I think that's been a really nice differentiator for us, obviously evident in our products and, you know, the loyal consumers that we have. That's so interesting. That's such an interesting takeaway because there's so much information out there now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess there's sometimes it's not always the correct information, but most of the time there's a lot of nutritionists, there's a lot of RDNs, whoever it is that's giving you really great information. We have a lot of resources to understand what we're consuming, understand what we're buying. So I think it's smart that you're betting on the consumer versus yeah. the opposite. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, you know, you also have to realize that there are a lot of a lot of people who, you know, are just trying to make ends meet. They're just trying to make, you know, their mm -hmm. lives fit into a, you know, 12 hour day. And not everybody has time to sort of, you know, create the perfect wellness plan or, or health plan. They need food that they can just rely on. That's easy. That's convenient that they know tastes better, tastes good. And that they know is giving them some, some, some better for you nutrition. Right. And I thought it was interesting too, that I was looking at Cauliflower's website. And one of the takeaways is that the freezer aisle should be celebrated, not yeah. necessarily feared. Exactly. Um, do you feel like this, that society is taking a step closer to changing that stigma? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and really we have millennials to, to thank. You know, mm -hmm. millennials are the ones who really realize the value of the freezer, freezer aisle, the fact that um, the sustainability of it, that food doesn't go to waste, right? The shelf life is much better. The, 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 the produce is frozen at a, at the optimal state. So you're not throwing it away. It can last for a year in your freezer. There's a lot of benefit mm. for that. It's also can be much cheaper with a lot of different varieties and, you know, it's gotten a lot better. It doesn't mean that the industry still doesn't have room to grow and that we just give a variety of options to people and they can choose to eat however they like. But, um, yeah, the, the, you know, frozen has, has really seen, um, tremendous growth over the years. Yeah. And I'll, I'll fact this fact check this too, if this, um, is true, but I've talked to a few chefs in my career and they always say like some frozen fruits, like fruit and veggies actually at their optimal stages when they're frozen are more nutritious for you versus fresh. Oh, a hundred percent. No, that's, that's fact. Yeah. You can. Okay. I've seen that many times. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> and I also saw that you address a lot of food insecurity too, mm -hmm. which I thought was so interesting, but you work with teaching gardens at underserved schools. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that connects to your background. Yes, it does. As well. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. I, I distinctly remember my father used to say, you know, and obviously he had a very, horrible, traumatic childhood. But um, mm -hmm. he he used to say, you know, with with everything that he saw, with like, all of the the death around him and the and the freezing cold and, you know, lack of shoes and all of that, he always said the absolute worst thing was the hunger. And it just stayed with me. And even to this day, when I see like a hungry person on the street, it's like, my heart sinks. I, it's just, it, it is, it is something that is ingrained in me. And, and so I wanted to have it really be ingrained in, into the fabric of the company. Ugh, that's, that's horrible. No one should ever go hungry. Even when I'm living in a city right now, it's like when I, when I see people, it's just so sad because food is just something that should be accessible to everyone easily. Exactly. And I think one of the benefits, uh, of the um, pandemic, one of very few benefits, is that, mm. is that um, you know, I think for the first time, food insecurity in this country 
was on the front page of, right? It was like, everybody was talking right. about food mm-hmm. insecurity for the first time. Like it was always problems that belong to another country, but boy, you could see it in this country. People are going hungry every single day. The fact that mm-hmm. we cannot figure out a way to feed our people is, you know, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking, but the first step is, is recognizing that that is, that is the world we live in and we all need to work to do something about it. Do you have any advice for people looking to kind of aid this issue, um, but don't necessarily know how? Well, there's so many organizations. I mean, we, we work with teaching gardens through the American Heart Association, which is a fantastic program. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are countless organizations and really an inspiring countless people who are working every single day uh, to reduce food insecurity in this country. I'm so grateful that they do, but there is no shortage of organizations that people could find with just a five minute search on the internet. Right. That's so interesting. I never really thought about how food insecurity was on the front page, like just a few years ago. You would think that people, yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's because it affected more people than just the impoverished and yeah. Yeah. And and I also, yes, a hundred percent, but you know, it's like people also during the pandemic, like, they'd go to the store and they couldn't find food. Forget how much money they had. They mm-hmm. went to the store and they couldn't find food, probably for the first time in their lives. Yeah. And that, I hope what that gave all of us is a little bit of empathy and really recognize that feeling, wow, this is what it's like not to be able to have access to food. Yeah. Because we have such quick access to everything yeah. in this world. So when it's yeah. cut off, that's right. it's like people are running around like chickens with their head cut off. It's like, what are we supposed to do? No one knows. <laughs> right. So I'm going to switch back to an entrepreneurial question. Okay. As a female entrepreneur, if there is one thing you could say to female entrepreneurs out there that maybe are afraid to take the leap or aren't sure what to do, what would you advise them? I would say that, you know, I think maybe this is unique to females, uh, to to women, I don't know, but probably Mm -hmm. a little bit more so. I think that we are sort of always waiting for the right time the right time to get married, the right time to have kids, the right time to switch careers or ask for a promotion. And, you know, there's really, there's very little sort of proactivity for it. We wait for the universe to speak to us rather than tell the universe what it is that we want. So I would say if you're waiting for you know, some magical bell to ring to, for there to be this, you know, enormous sign that, oh, okay, today is the day when you should take that leap. You're probably not going to find it. So you sure. might as well make it today because you, you can't wait for it. It's not going to come. You just have to bet on yourself. Right. No, that's, that's a really great point. I think it- a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this too. I, we wait and wait and wait, and then nothing ever comes to fruition. Or mm-hmm. we wait for someone to tell us what to do, or we yeah. follow the societal path: get married, have kids, whatever the situation yeah. is. Right. I do think the society is getting better in the way that we are becoming more creative. Yeah. And we are kind of yeah. taking more leaps. Yeah. So that's something I'm glad that we're we're pushing towards. Yeah. But at the same point, it's like we were told something our whole life, how do we traject off of that path and how do we become successful at it? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. Women, <laughs> women go through a lot. It is hard. <laughs> it is hard to be. Yes. No question. It doesn't get easier either. No. I mean, entrepreneurs in general, it's just, a, it's a hard path. To take. <laughs> it's, I, it's I, not I, a I'm reminded of it every day. That is true. 
<laughs> do you ever find yourself wishing, oh, I wish I could go back to that nine to five just for like a day or no? A hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I wished it just this morning, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a giant roller coaster and it's not a roller coaster, like over month periods. It's like this over, mm -hmm. day over day. And some days are just hard. And some days you just want to throw it in, or you just want to go back to the way it was. It's never overriding. I never would really wish that, but are there days fair amount of them when I thought, Oh my God, what was I thinking? Of course there are lots and lots. Mm -hmm. I know I have those myself. Sometimes I just want to take the computer exactly. and throw it in a lake exactly. and run away. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's sometimes it's like, I'm grateful. My calendar is full, but at the same coin, it's like, sometimes you just need to be. Sometimes you just need to be. That's right. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to switch gears okay. to some fun cooking related questions, food related questions. Love it. With the holidays coming up, mm -hmm. I actually saw last year you posted and the iconic elf movie inspired pasta with your cauliflower. Oh like my God, that was hysterical. And by the way, not very yeah. good, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to try it and I just never got around to it. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't rush to do that, but. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's probably a sugar overload, so that's, that's fair. Do you have any fun recipes you think people should cook up this year? for like for for like thanksgiving or what have you so i have thanksgiving at my house every year every okay. year i have about 24 people i make everything i make everything oh, except wow. dessert I'm not, I'm not much of a dessert maker but i make everything else okay. i do i guess i would i mean i i should say i do um I do make this cauliflower dish every year. That's really good. <laughs> but I have to. Um, it's delicious. It's like cauliflower with brown butter, uh, pumpkin seeds, just to have a little bit of like, you know, the season there. And um, I think uh, Italian parsley. And it's so good. I, I think the recipe is on Bon Appetit if anyone wants to find it. But okay. um, really great. And that's like a staple on the table every year. And then every year I also try and I make one dish that I, I, I just try new that like I've never made before. Oh. And if it's good, I'll add it to the menu next, the following year. If it's not good, it's just a, you know, one, one time wonder, but yeah. <laughs> Do you have any ideas for that this year? Are you still working on it? I haven't even started thinking <laughs> about it. Did you, uh, yeah, it's too far no, in the future. No, it's, it's been busy. I, you know, Thanksgiving, I'll get around to probably that week. <laughs> Are you one of those people that has a uh, oven schedule to keep track? I don't have an oven schedule. It is, that is a good point. Maybe I should. I don't have an oven schedule, but I do. I, I don't know if other people do this, but like, I, I do like when I wake up, I think, okay, here's what I'm going to make for dinner tonight. Like, I just, like, I automatically think of that, you know, I say, oh, I have some of this and this. So yeah, I'm going to make that for dinner and I'll just think of it randomly and it'll just come to me. And then I'm, that's what I'm going to make that, 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 that night. But I do, that does happen probably more often than not. Yeah. I do the same thing. I'm just like, whatever is in the fridge, we're going to whip it out. Exactly. But, exactly. You know, not everyone can be creative in the kitchen, so they need something exact to follow luckily i can just whip random things together and it's normally yeah. something pasta related so i it's easy. it is really hard for me to follow a recipe exactly i cannot remember the last time i have followed a recipe exactly i always just sort of create as i go along and it's funny because my son i who is my eldest son is an amazing cook he has far surpassed okay. me and um <laughs> He's the same way. He's like, mom, I haven't followed a recipe since I don't know when. So it's nice to pass it on. But of course, he's a he's a better uh, 
he's now surpassed me, but it's just fun to watch him work. Yeah, I've never been one of those people that can read a recipe all the way through or even yeah. do. And then I realize yeah. I'm missing something and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll just wing it. Exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. Well, that's why I don't like baking per se, because baking is far more precise. Mm-hmm. And it just um, it just hasn't hasn't been there for me. But interestingly enough, Becker is baker in German. Really? So, Yes. So, but I always figured that uh, pizza crust counts for baking. So I feel like (laughs) it's close enough. It's kind of bread, basically, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's baking. Just have your son take care of the baked goods for Thanksgiving. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You have on the website too a a tab called Meal Hacks. Okay. What's your favorite meal hack? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, cauliflower, of course. Um, you know, I think, you know, probably my favorite meal hack that I've done for cauliflower was the chicken tenders. Oh, um, I saw those. Which, which I coated in this baking mix that we used to have. And then I, threw it in the air fryer and it worked and we, you know, we created the chicken tender about a year later, but I love that. I love using alternative things as coating. I love adding vegetables to whatever I can. Uh, I love huge surprise. I love (laughs) making things healthier. You know, I'll Mm -hmm. put, uh, I'll put black beans and brownies, I'll put um, pumpkin puree in muffins. I will use applesauce as a sweetener. uh, I'll use, you know, spiralized veggies as noodles. Any way that I can get to use more veggies is like, sign me up. I do that too. I've always tried to go with the motto, add, don't subtract when you're trying to be Hmm. healthier. So if I want some sort of snacks, I want pasta, add some broccoli in, add something yeah. else. Yeah. So you're not stuck like feeling full later, but you yeah. feel like you still got your nutrients in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, a good, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. I do that all the time. But do you have any ideas with, I mean, Thanksgiving in the winter, there's all the holidays coming up, but because we're talking about kind of budget friendly foods, frozen foods, do you have any ideas for maybe budget-friendly dishes for Thanksgiving? Um, yeah. Oh, for Thanksgiving? Or um, just in general. In, in, in general, my favorite... So to me, being budget-friendly means using what you have. Okay. So don't like... You know, my mother never used to throw anything away. She'd put it... She'd put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no wonder that I went into frozen food, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so to me, I, I hate wasting food. It, it is, it is, it is, I, I can't stand it. So I just need to make sure that whatever is in the refrigerator gets used. So it could vary week by week. So it's not necessarily a recipe per se, but it's more, what can you do to save the, little scraps the you know this bit of this and this bit of that that you have in the refrigerator so you don't throw it away for me probably not surprisingly although i think a lot of our consumers do this as well mm-hmm. i'll take our pizza crust and i'll have like a, i call it a back of the fridge pizza okay. and i'll just put on and even if it's different sections maybe one section is a little bit of this i have leftover brussels sprouts i'm going to do that a different section is I had some leftover chicken. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And I'll just put everything on a pizza and it's always different and it's always great. <laughs> I literally did that last night. I did it last oh, night. <laughs> I actually, I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast. I actually <laughs> used cauliflower last night because I, um, I used the crust, but I had so many random vegetables and I even had I had like turkey or something and I just threw it okay, on yeah. and it, it tastes good. I it's mean, good. I mean, that's the thing. And you're not throwing and you're not throwing it away, which is yeah. the best cost savings of all. Exactly. There you go. 
let's talk about what's next for you. I understand you have some exciting products coming up if you would like to yes. speak on those. Yes. Well, this is, I'm excited because we're doing this, uh, this uh, podcast in advance. So this is the first time that I've ever actually spoken about Yay. that to you know folks outside the company. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're doing uh, pizza five ways. We okay. have, uh, so obviously we have our pizza that everyone knows and loves. Mm -hmm. We have um, three over the top skews that are going to be very heavily topped, very indulgent, really just, um, you know, and, and not just indulgent in terms of what is um, on it, but also the, the, the quality of the ingredients on it, right? Uh, which is really great. And so that's exciting. Um, the, I can tell you those three SKUs. I don't know. If yeah, yeah. No, go for it. I was going to ask okay. what's on them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one is a, is a, is a dream Supreme, which is great. Oh, um, okay. Just your, it's your, you know, average Supreme pizza. Well, not your average, but it's your, yeah. your, your Supreme pizza, but done better with beautiful veggies and nitrate free pepperoni and all of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really great. The other is truffle mushroom. Oh, so truffle's we put, big. Truffle's <laughs> big. We put truffle on a pizza, uh, which is great. So very excited about that. Uh, and that, which which hasn't really been done. Mm -hmm. And then we also um, have a spicy chicken sausage with um, hot honey sauce and hatch green oh. chilies. Hot so honey is it, so popular right now. It's very popular. So these are very on trend, very sort of either luxurious or indulgent and, you know, heavily topped and really some of the, some just outrageously delicious and filling pizzas. They're trends for a reason. They're delicious. Exactly. They sure are. <laughs> they sure are trends for a reason. Yeah. So that's, that. so that's exciting. Fun. And then you have pizza bites as well. Yes. So we have um, two. So we, Cauliflower is going into pizza bites, which is so exciting. That's so exciting. Um, yeah, it really is. Uh, what I think is is so great about these pizza bites is, boy, I think I've been working on them for three years. Oh wow. Um, and we could have introduced them sooner, but they wouldn't have been like that traditional. I won't say the name, but the traditional pizza bite that you grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, but these are, these are mimic that pizza bite experience exactly. And uh, there is a, uh, a cheese and also a pepperoni. They're baked instead of fried. Um, obviously, oh, wow. they have cauliflower in the coating and they mm -hmm. are tremendous. And I am over the moon excited for them. I was going to say those are very nostalgic foods. So yeah, and 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 that is really sort of the you know the core of cauliflower is we create your favorite um, comfort foods, just right. better for you, uh, and so and you know those are the meal hacks. So the the fact that we uh, started with pizza doing that, and now have all of these other items doing that is is really is great. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And then you have one more, I believe, product line coming out, the pizza Roma. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I see. I could just talk so long about about all of them. So the last one is mm -hmm. our pizza Roma. And I think what's so exciting um, about this one is that it comes right from Italy. And um, it's, yeah, a, it's a it's a it's a pinza. If anyone knows that, we call it a pizza Roma. It can also be called a Roman style pizza, but it's all hand stretched dough. There's cauliflower in it. Never been done before. I actually got to go to Italy to watch it being made, and boy, these these people put so much love into the dough and the sauce, and it's mm -hmm. just it's art for them. 
it's art for them. And uh, I am so excited to be able to bring them to America. They are actually in Whole Foods stores right now. So uh, oh, there nice. is a, yeah, uh-huh. there is a, um, a, a pizza margarita with this beautiful sauce and sliced mozzarella, and then mm-hmm. also a, um, a mushroom and caramelized onion. Oh, yeah. What inspired that idea? Were you visiting Italy or like you just... I was visiting Italy. Um, You know, what inspired it really was, you know, it was hard for my kids. Actually, Italy is a really great country for gluten-free food. I know people find that hard to believe, but because there's Mm -hmm. so much gluten in their food, when people have celiac disease there, it can be quite dangerous, you know, if not if not identified. So it's the only country in the world that actually identified tests for celiac disease at birth. And as a result, they have a fair amount of food there. And so I just remember thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, people who, you know, wanted to eat gluten-free could have this like this artisan pizza, a real artisan mm-hmm. pizza. And that's exactly what it is. But obviously, like all of our food, it's not created for, you know, people who just eat gluten free. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. hand stretched artisan pizza that actually has cauliflower in the crust. And it's airy and bubbly and beautiful. I encourage everyone to try it. Yeah, no, that's exactly correct. I was um, I was in Italy last summer and I was having some health issues before then. So I wanted to go gluten free. And when I was researching, yeah. that's exactly what I saw was that they offer so many things. Yeah. And when I was there, they it was so easy to be gluten. free. Yeah, so easy. Exactly. Exactly. I found it to be a little bit harder here just because you're surrounded by so many things that aren't gluten free. Mm-hmm. 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 But I mean, I th- I think the pathway is getting a little bit better, but it's just yeah. really hard not to be yeah. around it yeah. all the time. Yeah, a hundred percent. Those sound delicious, though. That's that's really exciting. Thank you. Yes, I am very excited about them. What's the difference between a pinza and a a pizza? Uh, these are, um, pinza, I think in Latin means like hand tossed or hand stretched. So it's like a, it's, it's, it's a little smaller than your pizza. It's oval, but it's, it's so bubbly and it's all hand stretched and beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, I'm excited to try those out. That's really, that's really exciting. Yeah. They're at Whole Foods right now. Okay. All right. Um, I actually have to go to Whole Foods tomorrow, so. (laughs) Okay. Let me know what you think. I will. I will. All right. I have a short game for you if you're up for it. It's kind of like an opinion lightning round. So I'll say basically a lightning round of five questions and it's all food related and you'll answer. My favorite topic. Me too. I do this with um, every single guest and they always love it. Okay. All right. First one, go to snack. Popcorn. Me too. Second, favorite pizza topping. Veggies. Most underrated veggie. Well, clearly I can't say cauliflower because we know how high that one's rated. I am going to say, oh, broccoli rub. Oh, that's a great one. Favorite comfort food? <sighs> French fries. Oh, that's a good one too. A lot of girls are pairing that with Caesar salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my weak spot for sure. All right. Upcoming food trend of 2023 or 2024 because we're getting close. So I think certainly food as medicine continues to to grow and and people are very you know interest not just interested in that but there's a lot of different companies who are coming in that space with different you know interesting technologies and and you know herbs and all kinds of things so i i i like to watch that space uh i'm i think upcycling will be continued to be big i'm particularly interested in that i love which is normal because I hate waste so much. So mm-hmm. I love being able to use, you know, things that would otherwise go to waste. So I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. 
And I think just in general, just, you know, the way people eat, I think is so much healthier now than, or just like sort of mentally and, and emotionally healthier. The relationship that people have with food is much better than when I grew up. You know, there were good foods mm -hmm. and there were bad foods and there were fat foods and, uh, you know, non-fat foods. And now it's just people are just, they, they, they realize that it's not that simplistic, right? That you can, you can all eat, everybody can eat different things for all different reasons. And it all can lead up to a really healthy diet and a really healthy yeah. way of, of, of eating. So that's one trend that I've certainly seen grown um, over time that I am a huge fan of. Yeah, more of a holistic, balanced approach. Totally. That's, that's definitely a healthier than oh, cutting yeah. things out or whatever it is, because oh, never yeah. it's never worked it'll for never me, work. at least. Yeah, no, <laughs> me neither. Definitely not. And my final question for you, this is something I ask every single one of my guests too. If there is one cooking appliance, utensil, or ingredient that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? An air fryer. And that's coming from someone who I'm proud to say I was one of the first acquirers of an air fryer back when nobody knew what they were. <laughs> and, but it took, it was like huge. It like took up my whole counter. Uh -huh. But I was so obsessed with them at the time because, you know, any fried food my kids needed, I had to deep fry myself because there was no fried gluten-free food. Oh. And so when the air fryer first came out, I thought, mm. oh my God, does this really work? And I became obsessed with it and I got it. And then I've gotten many since then, but um, yeah, I'm a huge air fryer fan. You were ahead of the game. I was ahead of the game. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Maybe it inspired our chicken tenders. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Do a whole air fryer product line. There exactly. you go. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone loves it. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was a really great conversation. And I've really enjoyed learning more about you and the entrepreneurial advice that you gave. And I learned a lot too. So thank you so oh, much. Oh, well, that's so nice. As did I. Thank you very much. And thank you for creating a podcast for food. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's the one thing that unites everybody, no matter who you are or where you come from, we all have to eat. So, um, congratulations to you for, for, Thank for you. creating this, this magnificent podcast. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. I, I'm really like inspired by everything that you're doing. So I um, appreciate that you. a lot. And I always say food will never go out of style, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's the great equalizer. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. So you can check out Gail Becker on Instagram at Gail Becker or check out Collie Power's website, www.eatcollipower.com for their latest offerings. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Livin' For Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livinforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time.